Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in the world as disciples of the Word. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dialogic Disciple podcast. We are... uh, set up today in my office. You might have one of the best offices in the building. I'm, I'm not going to deny that that's true. I've, cool. And you have made excellent use of the square footage. I couldn't believe how many, how much you had crammed into the Wesley closet downstairs. I know, right? Well, um, a lot of these books were crammed at home, and now they're yeah. here. The James Johnson Memorial Library, uh, as it's, it will be called someday. It's pretty spectacular. We had a great conversation with Nate last week on youth ministry. Um, I don't know if you've had a chance to go back and listen to that or not, but uh, Nate really had a lot of great things to say, and I was, um, I was, uh, I, I thought it was really edifying to listen to that conversation. Yeah, it Even was great. Time. Nate having, I love getting that perspective from somebody who is in with students all the time and helping understand how students think, because for all the time and effort we put in as teenagers of thinking, I'm not going to be like my parents. I'm not going to forget what it is to be a student of that. I, I'm, I'm going to understand. Yeah, I don't understand. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's typically how it goes for us. Um, and we had talked to Brandy just the uh, week before. or Yeah, it was the week before, a couple weeks before. Um, and she also had some great insight into how children's ministry works around here at Northside. Mm-hmm. I, uh, I'm looking forward to some future conversations with some of the other program staff directors and, and some other folk here at the church. Um, I know that I want to get Michael Devine and maybe Matt Jackson together in a conversation to mm-hmm. talk a little bit about worship and, and that experience, not just here at Northside, but in general. Um, and I don't know who else. Uh, Sue uh, wants, to, wants to get in on this, and I think she would be a great voice to hear. And then uh, maybe get Jeff to talk a little bit about men's ministry and um, yeah, and then of course we've got we've got no. We need so to dive into to what preschool's up to, what sports and rec is doing. Like, it's a neat opportunity with a podcast to get to know the staff a little bit differently. I think bringing them in and having a conversation um, gives the congregation an opportunity to get to know who yeah. is serving the church. Plus, it gives us a kind of a clear roadmap as we try to get this podcast up and off the ground. Uh, gives us clear material on where to go, which is you know mm-hmm. a struggle for a podcast uh, in in the early days. And that's absolutely the toughest part of trying to do a weekly podcast is planning. Yeah. Uh, really, Nick, I just wanted to sit down and talk a little bit about um, uh, what's coming up in the fall as far as some programming things here at Northside Church, but uh, really just the vibe and the, and the excitement, I think, that we're starting to feel as we get into the fall. Usually fall is that, you know, uh, time when school starts back, and we're all, out. for me, I was kind of giddy about that, uh, and this is the first semester I haven't been in school in uh, a while, so yeah. Uh, as I start my adult life now, and... <laughs> Uh, it's a little different, but I, I'm excited. I know that things are a little um, different this fall than they have been in the past, uh, obviously, with the pandemic, and, and we don't know when we're going to be able to gather again for worship, although we are doing live worship now, which I think makes a huge difference. It really does. And and having having the opportunity to come in on Sunday morning, do something live, you spend the hour on it, and move on. 
we've got a few perfectionists on staff. Yeah. And having the opportunity to record and re-record and edit, man, it took so much longer to produce worship that way. Yeah. This so, is it feels it just feels more like um a normal Sunday morning worship experience, mm-hmm. even though uh, you know, most of us are, are at home watching on Facebook or on our on our uh website. Um just the fact that it is live. And and those little things, those little, you know, one of the things I learned uh, in seminary a long time ago is that sometimes God uses those little hiccups in a service to speak, to say something. And, and you're right, when we have the opportunity to just go back and smooth everything out, mm-hmm. we lose a little bit of that uh, spontaneity that the Holy Spirit often uses. Well, there is use. none. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's, there is yeah. none. <laughs> but that's how the Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit is all about the spontaneity. And so... um. I'm just excited get that about back. that. Yeah, well, that. I'm excited to be back in the building on Sunday morning to help produce, you know, that sounds weird, producing worship, but... Um, <laughs> it, but it is, it, to some degree, I mean, it's a it's a production of the Holy Spirit, but it, it includes, you know, the people uh, doing the work. Uh, because I'm enjoying being in the room as it's happening, you know. Um, in the room where it happens? In the room where it happens. <laughs> We were just talking about Hamilton earlier today, doing maybe doing a Hamilton Bible study coming up. You know, uh, you could pull soon, that off, James. Soon, yeah. I'm, I'm confident you could pull it off. I'm, I still haven't watched Hamilton. Well, maybe that's maybe this would be the time for you to get involved um, with Hamilton. I can't believe you've never seen Hamilton, even though your kids listen to the soundtrack. Oh, yeah. Stuff. All the kids have seen yeah. Have they seen it? Well, since it came out on Disney+, Plus, yeah. yeah, they watched it. The Disney Plus version is uh, a little bit more kid-friendly. Maybe than the uh, actual the stage production. The stage production. Um, but yeah, now that we have the video, now that it's actually been recorded, uh, I think a Hamilton Bible study is probably not far away for us here at Northside Church. Uh, once we get through this MCU and the UMC class, which you've been a part of, mm-hmm. um, uh, how's that experience gone for you? Oh, I've really enjoyed that. Yeah, MCU and UMC. First of all, I got to show up because I need to know where you're going to go with this. Yeah. <laughs> like... I don't know if, if, if everybody realizes technically I'm your supervisor. <laughs> and there are days you come out with Bible study ideas, and I'm like, yeah, I need to show up for that. <laughs> Just to kind of check my orthodoxy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you um, know, it's okay to stray a little bit close to the line of heresy as long as you're having a good time. Well, but that is something right. that, that uh, you've always made those Bible studies that pull in the secular. Um, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Um, interesting to kind of have a have another perspective on why the world is the way it is and why we believe the world is the way it is. Yeah, absolutely. That, that's really um I really feel like that's a major part of of my call uh as a as a as a someone who does discipleship in a church is being able to bridge the the gap between um you know, the church and the world. To have that dialogue, you know, that's why we call this the Dialogic Disciple Podcast, yeah, uh, and why the website's called DialogicDisciple.com. But it, it's it's about being a disciple in dialogue, in dialogue with the world around us, and with each other, and with things that we disagree with, and things that we agree with, and things that we don't know about, and all of these other things. Um, being a disciple in dialogue, I think, is is part of the call of being a disciple. Uh, and as long as we keep in mind that we are ultimately disciples of the word and not of the world, uh, I think it's a helpful dialogue. I think it can, mm-hmm. I have found it to be. It illuminates things in a way that 
you might not otherwise see. Yeah. That's been my experience. Kind of pushing uh, a little bit further down that path. Um, do you feel like it's changed, the class has changed the way that you watch films or the way that you engage culture at all? I don't know that I gave particularly comic book writers enough credit for character development. Yeah. And it definitely forces you to examine motives behind why characters do things. And I mean, you always, if we ever have a conversation about a book or a movie or something like that, James always has a, a, a perspective on how the characters developed. And I don't know that I have spent that much time considering it. And, and it definitely makes me think differently in watching these movies. I, there was a time in my life when I thought I was going to be a screenwriter. So I, uh, I studied film for a couple of years uh, on my own. And uh, I'm glad that that study had paid off because the screenwriting thing didn't, <laughs> didn't pay off. <laughs> I, I wrote a movie about the life of Elijah, the prophet, called, okay. called The Last Prophet. I'll let you read it sometime, but it's terrible. It's really, <laughs> bad. It's really bad. I don't see. This is one of those things like, let's come back to that. Yeah, let's do some work on yeah, it. Yeah, We've right. got some more experience, you know. <laughs> Northside produces The Life of Elijah, The Last Prophet. That'd be amazing, man. <laughs> one, of the, one of the things I'm most excited about here uh, in the fall is, is uh, a Northside Small Groups program, which is um, a rebranding of a program that we started last year called Table. And I think a lot of people thought that we were doing dinner groups. And so we kind of decided to go the other way and, and, uh, and, and try to come up with a name that was communicated the most possible information, right? So Northside mm -hmm. Small Groups, uh, very clear about where it is and what it's about. Um, but we're, we're excited to, to be launching that or relaunching that uh, here in the fall. Um, I thought maybe today, Nick, uh, one of the things that we could talk about is the importance of small groups, particularly in a time when we are uh, in this pandemic and we don't have as much connection as we used to have. And these small groups are going to be a mix of in-person and over Zoom. Um, I don't know. What, what do you, uh, when I when I say the word small groups, what comes to your mind and, and what do you think the value is? You know, I've seen small groups used and we've had conversations about um, the different kind of forms that small groups can take. Um, is a Sunday school class a small group? You know, a men's only Bible study, a small group, a women's only Bible study, a small group. Um, is a small group about a dozen people or three people? Like yeah. how many different different variations could a small group take. But I think at its core, a small group is about um, being in a relationship with other people. Yeah, absolutely. Um, have you ever been part of a small group program before? Yeah. Um, I would say, I think I would start, and, and maybe small group is a stretch, but um, starting out with the Sunday school class when you're doing age level Sunday school as yeah. a as a child, as a student, um, you're integrated into a small group. Um, joining a Sunday school class, I think, is a small group. I've had a small group of other men that um, we've met on a weekly basis just to share life. Um, maybe do a devotional as part of that too. Yeah. Um, and it's 
always great to have opportunity to get together um, and just share what's going on. Yeah. Yeah. What, I mean, what do you think the value of, of that is from a spiritual perspective? I mean, human beings are social by nature and we like mm-hmm. getting together with friends and hanging out and doing uh, different things together. But when we're talking about small groups from a spiritual sense, what is it about that experience that translates into making us better disciples? I think you gain perspective from it. I think it challenges you to keep thinking through um, what you believe, how God works, how God interacts in the world, um, how people get along or don't get along together. Um, I think having that small group, it, it, it hopefully you're in a place with a small group where you're trusting each other, you're able to share, and you're able to talk through what God is doing in your life. Yeah. We've had conversations on the podcast before about the Holy Spirit. Yeah. A few. And how maybe we don't talk about the Holy Spirit as much as we ought to. Absolutely. Um, and, and for some reason, I think that people do get squirrely in everyday conversation, talking about what God's doing in their life, talking about the Holy Spirit. And I think when you get with a smaller group of people in that more intimate setting, it, it gets more comfortable. Yeah. Um, to really be real about what what's happening and how God's working. You said you talked about perspective. Do you think that that is something that um, that comes from just hearing other people's other people's perspective? Like, do we gain perspective because we can hear other people talk about their relationship with God, or or is there something else going on there? I think it is hearing from other people about their relationship with God. Yeah. I sat down with a few of our uh, small group folks from last year and had a conversation with them, um, clips of which uh, people will be able to see very shortly on our website. But um, I spoke with them about the value of, of small groups and, and what it does uh, for us spiritually. And one of the things that uh, one of the guys said was that, you know, this is not this is not a Bible study. Small groups are not a Bible study. They're not Sunday school. They're about building relationship with other Christians and how that can kind of uncover and expose how God is working in the life of Northside community, but also in your, our own personal lives. I think when we hear other people talk about, you know, the, the question that John Wesley started his small groups with was, you know, how is it with your soul? Uh, which is a, a pretty intense question to be honest about, you know, to be, to expose yourself and be vulnerable about, vulnerable about, but it's that, it's that exposure and that vulnerability that demonstrates your faith, uh, not just in God, but in your fellow disciples as you walk down the path of discipleship together. And and if we can't be vulnerable and and answer questions like that, uh, there's a part of us, I think that there's a, there's a kind of a ceiling that we hit uh, as disciples and we can't really go, to the next level. And I think that vulnerability is something that you don't get out of coming to church for worship on Sunday morning. Right. Um, that, that's a place I think that, that has got to be exercised. And usually if you're just coming for worship on Sunday morning, you don't have that opportunity. That's right. Um, I, I know 
come into worship, you get used to seeing the same people sit in the same spot all the time and you see familiar faces. Yeah. Um, so there's some comfort in knowing who you're going to see and where they're going to be because we're, we're creatures of habit and we go to the same spot in the sanctuary, we go to the same spot in the faith and art center, but it is a completely, uh, a, a different kind of experience to be committed to meeting for that fellowship, for that exchange, for the, how is it with your soul? Yeah. Um, that usually on Sunday morning you pass somebody and you say, Hey man, how's it going? And I say, it's fine. Yeah. No, you don't, that's all you have time for. Or really. maybe they don't even answer. Maybe they <laughs> just say, how are you? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and, and you don't, you don't build the community in yeah. that environment. Um, I think that's absolutely true. And even if you come, even if you come for just, uh, for Sunday school and for worship, you know, a lot of times Sunday schools are kind of lesson based. They're about learning information, which is important. Uh, you know, uh, that's a huge part of being a disciple is, is gaining more information, more knowledge about the Bible, more knowledge about God and who we are as Christians. But the relationship piece is what really opens the door to growth as a disciple and, uh, spiritual growth and maturity. Um, and that's something that you really can only get if you're vulnerable, if you, if you can expose yourself and if you feel comfortable and you trust the people around you, that is usually a small group situation, right? That is not a, we don't do testimony, you know, time in, in our worship services. I grew up in a church, by the way, where we did testimony time Sunday night. You could just get up and testify to what the Lord had done in your life. Uh, but that's not something that as is, it's not as effective in a huge worship ceremony or service like that, uh, as it is in a small group. And you, I mean, I think this is why the disciples, you know, Jesus, he, he chose 12 disciples, uh, and he had that small group of guys that he, he hung with and, and taught, and he didn't just teach them things. You know, it's not like they wrote down <laughs> everything that he said. It wasn't just information. It was, he was teaching them how to be in a relationship. Well, let me let me try to be a little bit vulnerable and expose myself a little bit here. I've been at Northside now for six years this month, um, which is uh, it's been great. It's been fantastic, and it's been a it's been a weird time of my life, but it's also been an amazing time of my life uh, in a lot of ways. So it's it's been it's been up and down, but uh, as I've tried to learn how to do my job here, one of the things that um, struck me about 18 months ago, maybe two years ago, um, is that I'm the director of adult discipleship here. And one of the things I realized was that I had been teaching and doing discipleship here at Northside uh, as a teacher uh, and doing classes that passed along information to people and so that they could gain knowledge. And and every once in a while, there was moments of insight and the moments of, of real like struggling and wrestling with with Christian life and and stuff like that. But mostly, it was about me teaching you know the Book of Mark and here's the structure of Mark and here's mm-hmm. why Mark is important. Here's what Mark's trying to say. All of that's valuable stuff and important stuff. But that's not discipleship. That's part of discipleship. It's only one part. Jesus didn't like sit people down in a classroom and teach them. Uh, the Bible. He didn't sit down in a classroom and teach people the intricacies of, you know, the Old Testament or Yahweh or anything like that. 
he did some teaching for sure. He taught more with the way that he lived, but then he also built relationships. And those relationships is what discipleship really is. So I had this realization probably about a year and a half ago now. And one of the things that I've challenged myself to do, or really that I felt like the Holy Spirit has challenged me to do, is to try to figure out how to make our classes and our discipleship program here at Northside more relational. Um, We're not leaving behind the teaching. The teaching is important, but what can we also do to build those relationships? And this small groups program uh, really, I think, is, is a biblical model. It is a Wesleyan model. It is um, something that I think will do exactly um, exactly that, build relationship with each other. And I think we'll find that it also builds relationship with God. It's an interesting approach um, with me starting out talking about small groups in different forms. And um, you're coming to a place where uh, the small group means something very specific to you, and particularly in the entity formerly known as Table, Northside Small Groups. Right. Um, it is about um, it is about that question: How is it with your soul? And being able to um, be authentic, yeah, um, with a small group of people, getting to know people and understand how how God is working, how God's working in your life, how God's working in someone else's life, um, and kind of how how we would rank. Like worship is important. I think Bible study is important. Having those academic style settings for classes, it's important, it's informative, it's informational. It, I think it drives, like me, I'm the kind of personality that gets a lot out of, let's do a Bible study on the book of Mark. Like yeah, that, yeah. that is, I'm, I'm there. Um, and, and like I said, that stuff is important. Um, there, there's information that we learn that can transform our lives. That's true on a spiritual level as well as on a everyday level. Uh, you learn that the world, you know, that the world is flat rather than a globe. That would that would be pretty transformational mm-hmm. on your life, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you learn that you know aliens are real and they live among us. That's a, that's a pretty transformational piece of information. You learn about history. You learn that aliens built the pyramids. That's a pretty transformational piece <laughs> of of history, right? Now, none of those things are true, but. Again, because they're not true, it gives us the ability to try to imagine what it would be like to learn something new like that, right? The other thing, you brought up worship. I'm I'm glad that you did because worship is absolutely, as a church um, community, worship is one of, if not the most important activity we do at the church. It is uh, a key component to every individual Christian life as well as uh, the life of the church. And um, one of the reasons why I'm so excited about our new schedule is that it's going to allow me to have some, some, some time to do worship in ways that I have not previously been able to do or that uh, I, you know, I'll be able to participate in worship, which I'm kind of excited about. Yep. So worship's important, but here, worship can only go so far as you're prepared to allow it to go. And what I mean by that is worship meets us um, where, we, where we allow it to meet us. If our hearts are not open, 
Mm-hmm. If our hearts are not open, worship kind of just bounces off of them. And if our hearts are just a little bit open, it gets as far as that and then bounces back out. So when we don't participate in something like a small group, and it doesn't have to be a small group, but if we don't participate in something that that consistently makes us vulnerable, that consistently causes us to challenge, um, to challenge ourselves spiritually, that consistently uh, kind of just keeps us keeps us authentic in the way that you were talking about just a moment ago, then worship doesn't get that far down into our into it. it doesn't it become as transformational as it needs to be in order for a mm-hmm. community of people to be bound together by it. So if you have a community of people who are all thinking of themselves as individuals and who do not trust one another and who do not feel like they can be authentic with one another or vulnerable with one another, you have a, you have a community of people who are just always on the verge of shattering uh, because there's no connectivity there. You have to open up and allow the chain of the Holy Spirit to be woven through the heart, you know? So my, my, my very Baptist upbringing is coming out and, and I'm, We've re- now we've reached Baptist moment with Nick. <laughs> this is yeah. Here's your Baptist moment brought to you by. I feel like there is this prescription of things that the Christian should do to get the most out of Christian life, like a checklist. Yes, yes, I'm going that direction, and so. The church is designed with all of these things that we make available to the congregation to do, that we make available to ourselves to do, to participate yeah. in. Yeah. And so certainly the hinge point of it all is worship on Sunday morning. But we've got Bible studies available during the week, depending on whether you wanted to do it with, you know, all men's group, all women's group. Oh, yeah. If you want to do disciple Bible study, if you want to go to a Sunday school class, if your kids oh, yeah. want to every do choir, day of the week, we got some. If you want to, yeah, 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 yeah. And I think the spot that I'm being put in is we kind of talk through small groups and their effectiveness is uh, similar to the spot I feel when I'm reading about what I need to do to get in shape. And this is how many hours a day I need to be in the gym lifting weights versus doing cardio versus watching what I'm eating. And it's going to be this long for this many days a week. And it's going to be, and, and then at the end of this process, you're going to weigh this much or build this much muscle mass or whatever, you know? Yeah. And so for me, if I'm looking at it through like a bodybuilding lens, um, you know, I want to be the most jacked and tan Christian I can be. So what are the things that I need to do? Right. To achieve that, right? Um, I'm not sure that's the most effective way to look at. Uh, I'm not saying it is either, <laughs> but I'm not the only personality out there that is this achievement oriented. That's right. That's right. And so, trying to balance what are the things I need to do, and which of those things is going to be most effective, and it's really interesting to hear you say, "Well, for worship to be as effective as it can be, you've got to be here." So. Yeah, You know, if you're not, if you don't have a prayer life, if you're not studying the scripture, I mean, do I need to memorize some of it? If you're not in a disciple Bible study, if you're not doing a Sunday school class and then coming to worship, um, are you, are you getting where you right. need to be, want to be, God wants you to be, right? whatever? Um, I mean, the answer is, um, that's a hard thing to answer. Uh, 
I would I would tend to believe that no. I mean, if you're not participating and engaging, um, engaging the faith on multiple levels, uh, in multiple ways like that, then you, you're not maturing uh, mm-hmm. as a Christian. And and what I mean by that is, and I, again, I I'm not a, I don't buy into the here's a checklist of things you need to be doing all these things. I, I remember those days in my life. Oh yeah. Yeah. No, yeah that's yeah. your Baptist and moment brought to yeah, you by that's, yeah, that's checklist. Right. checklist. Right. And, and there's something very attractive about a checklist because there's all, there's always something very, something that feels good about checking something off a list. Right. But also you have a clear path and, and you have these steps that you can take that, you know, will have this result. And that's not usually how God works. There's not a, there's not a checklist. So we grew up, we grew up in similar traditions and mm-hmm. I'm sure you've heard the metaphor that uh, prayer is like breathing. Like if you stop breathing, you're going to die. Mm-hmm. And so prayer is, is one of the most important, if not the most important thing we do on an individual basis and as a community. Reading the Bible is like eating, right? You, you, can, you can go a day or two without it but you you're gonna have to go back to it eventually like you have to eat and so you have to go to the word you have to pray you have to breathe maybe you could think of worship as like the table that the 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 bible's sitting on that the food is sitting on um i i don't know if this metaphor works at all but then but then no i'm giving you a hard time here like it's because i feel like what we've done as a church is we have set out the smorgasbord of options. (laughs) That's true. And it is not possible for somebody to do everything that we offer. Right. And so... How do they pick and choose? Yeah, and and how how does does what you pick and choose have to do with where you are in life and what, you know, like what... um, I would love for everybody in the church to be a member of a small group. Yeah. But... But if you're already doing 15 things. Yeah. And that's that's the hard part. I've I've heard people say that well, small groups just aren't for me, or that's not my thing. And I, I, to a certain extent, I can grant you know that there are different ways in which we are acted on by the spirit, or it, we are engaged. We all have different gifts, and and we have different personalities. And I get that. But there's something that's core about a small group, core to the faith. And again, it doesn't have to be like. An official Northside small group brought to you by Northside Church. You know, uh, it can be, and I think this is what most people find. Even those people who say, "Well, small groups aren't for me," they have three or four friends that they hang out with or they talk to on a regular basis mm-hmm. and get vulnerable with. So they do have a small group, probably. Yeah. But I, that kind of vulnerability, uh, honestly, I think the world is a place that scars our heart. It mm-hmm. scars our ability to feel. It scars our ability to have faith. And so these heavy scars sit on top of, of the, the top layer of our heart and b- just bounce worship right off. And it's, it's going to small groups, being part of conversations that, that help us to expose those scars and be vulnerable about those scars that begin to rip them off, begin to rip them off so the process of healing can begin. And the mm-hmm. first process of healing is getting that worship in there. You know, that kind of uh, Neosporin <laughs> worship <laughs> that gets in there and heals those wounds, but also transforms that that muscle, that spiritual muscle of our heart. Um, it It's just, I think, it's just absolutely necessary to have 
have a, an avenue of authenticity and and vulnerability if we are if we're truly going to mature. Now, you know, if we feel good about where we are and we don't want to go any further, <laughs> then keep doing what you're doing. You know, I remember my senior pastor when I was a kid, he used to say all the time, it was like the point of every single one of his sermons. He'd say, if you always do what you always did, you always get what you always got. Uh, and wherever you are, there you are. Mm-hmm. You know, he would say things like that. And uh, while I, at the time I thought it was really annoying, here I am quoting him, you know, 30 years later, so <laughs> I guess it was effective. Um. So I don't know. As as people as we as we open up this um, door and this avenue program, I, I don't want it to be just another thing we do. I want it to be the foundation of of what we do in discipleship. So it and it creates an opportunity for people who have not found a small group. That's right. To yeah. to find a place where they can um, find a smaller community at Northside because it is a large church. It is a large church. Um, to get to know people authentically yeah yeah um and i think a lot of other things that we do in discipleship are going to point back toward that that small group uh that foundational kind of vulnerability in small group i i just feel like uh this you know again like i said i i don't want this to be just another thing that we do i want it to be um i want it to be more than that and and find its way into everything else that we do. You know, so small groups who do service projects together, small groups who get together on Sunday morning maybe and watch Zoom or or Facebook worship, you know, Mm -hmm. together as a group. Small groups that do the other things that we do, but do them together. Mm -hmm. So it's not just another uh, program, but a program that helps us to do programming as a community, I guess is another way to say that. Well, I mean, we've had the conversation before about there's only... There's only so many people you can know. Right. There's only so many people you can know well. Um, and and so the the church, particularly one the size of Northside, is a hard place to feel involved. Yeah. If you don't find a smaller group of people yeah. to get to know well. Um, and this is a neat opportunity for doing that. I love the idea of growing into doing service projects together and Yeah. I think, I think doing worship together, doing doing volunteer stuff together. Doing volunteer Gosh, stuff, like, yeah. We get back to a world where we've got we need Sunday servants on Sunday morning, we need greeters on Sunday morning, yeah. we need Wednesday night like, dinner well, servers. Well, yeah, need, Nick's small group's gonna take care of that this Sunday. Yes. James's oh. small group is gonna do that this Sunday. Uh, and then nobody has to do it. A lot of times people don't want to do that stuff because they feel like I'm not gonna know anybody. Right, right. Well, it's your small group, man. Yeah. Um you know, and I you could see imagine a world where a small group decides to do a Bible study together. So they're they're not just doing their small group thing every week, but they're also coming to a Wednesday night Bible study or doing a disciple class or something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, a more communal kind of uh, relational uh, way of doing doing discipleship is, is our aim. And like I said, I, I just think it's a biblical model. I think it's a Wesleyan model. And I'm hoping that uh, it becomes a more Sidian model as well. Yeah, now that I've had time to uh, to marinate on your comments about the way Jesus taught, I, I, I feel where you're going now. Okay, like right. with the the uh, you know he he we don't get a lot of recording of um, 
Jesus going through the Psalms and explaining what they mean. <laughs> right, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's not outlining, you know, <laughs> Exodus. That's right. Um, yeah. But he is talking about how we live with each other and what the right way to treat your neighbor is yeah. and how, how do we relate to God and what is God, that God loves us and that he wants this relationship with us. Right. Um, and that relationship is so much more important than anything else. Uh, the, you know, the, the Pharisees got so upset with Jesus because he was hanging out with tax collectors. He was hanging out with sinners. He was hanging out with women. You know, he was hanging out with Roman centurions. He was hanging out with people who the Bible said you shouldn't be hanging out with, you know, his Bible of that day. And Jesus was able to do that because it was the relationship that was important. The, the only way those folks are going to change, the only way those folks are going to be transformed, is through the relationship they have with Jesus Christ, not by the Pharisees teaching them about the Psalms or what David thought about this or what Moses said about that. That information doesn't help the prostitute, doesn't help the the leper, it doesn't help the the, the Roman centurion. It doesn't do anything but bounce off of their already jaded and 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 kind of scarred hearts. Mm-hmm. The relationship they had with Jesus is what opened them up. It's what change. It's what transformed them, and that's the gospel. That's the real gospel of Jesus Christ. If we're not doing that uh, at Northside Church, then then we're just, I don't know. I mean, we're just checking things off of off the list. You know? Well, it is motivating to um, not just how do we get small groups engaged in the life of the church in other ways other than just getting together and sharing with each other, but um, how do we take that small group mentality into all the things we do in the church yeah yeah um of being authentic and being in relationship and and sharing with each other and that's um i think that's something that comes the more the more and more people at northside church who are involved in small groups intentionally you know Mm -hmm. here in the church um whether that's a women's group a men's group uh, one of these new northside groups we're putting together the more the people are involved in this, the more they become open to seeing God in other places and serving in other places and worshiping, you know, and like it, it, finding worship through service and finding worship through Bible study. So as these relationships build uh, and come together and as we all kind of get, as we all kind of get um, um, tied together, mm-hmm. bound together in these groups, Man, it's so much harder for a church in conflict to to kind of erode or to to divide or to uh, evaporate when they're mm-hmm. so bound together in relationship. Like, I can disagree with somebody vehemently on some some issue in the church, and if I don't know that person, then it's easy for me just to walk away and say, "Fine, Man. sorry, Nick, don't agree. See you later." Uh, but if you and I have been in a small group together for a couple of years and, and we've really gone through the real stuff of life together, you know, str- uh, tragedies, struggles, celebrations, uh, joys, highs, lows, everything like that, and we disagree on something, man, it's so much harder for me to be like, bye, Nick, I'll see you later. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't do that. I think it would be impossible. And that's what the church was in the early church. Uh and that's what Paul would always point back to and say, look, guys, one cup, one Lord, one baptism, one spirit, not one teaching, not one idea, but one spirit, Jesus Christ, who binds us together through that vulnerability, authenticity, and relationship. 
it, it almost reads like the the ultimate goal here is to establish a culture of relationship. Changing the culture. Uh, that's the hardest thing to do in any organization, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, and yeah. I think we, we have so many... Our people are so dedicated and they're so devotional. They're so um, intelligent. They're, I mean, our, our people are amazing and willing to serve at the drop of a hat and, and they're generous and they're kind. I, I think that we do, all of us though here, do fall into that mentality of let me make sure I'm checking things off the list. And, and I want to I wanna help move us to a different culture that's more relational than that. Mm-hmm. That it's okay if I don't check all the boxes today. Um, that we're checking these boxes together. I don't. Know, I don't know exactly how the metaphor breaks down, but we need to change. We need to change the way we approach what it means to be a faithful Christian. I think. And I am not a person in favor of setting up the kind of legalism that comes with a checklist. Right. Um. But sometimes that is the easiest way to. And sometimes it's necessary. Grasp onto a concept. Yeah, maybe sometimes it's necessary. You know, I, I don't, I don't think that anyone that is simply going down a checklist is really going to. There's a, there's a, like I said, there's a ceiling to how far that can take you as a Christian, if that's truly what you're doing. You know, now there's a difference between making the checklist the priority and making the goal of the checklist priority. But that's how, like, legalism, I mean, that's mm-hmm. how legalism takes control. And that's what the Pharisees were doing, you know. The Pharisees started off with the best intentions. They were the teachers of the law. They were the ones who took the law the most seriously. There was nobody who took what God had said, the Word of God, more seriously than the Pharisees did. But over the course of time, that that ferociousness of, of, um, of doing things the way the Bible said to do them, became legalistic it became a checklist and a checklist that one of the items on there was make sure jesus you know goes away pretty quick because uh, <laughs> he was the one ripping up that checklist in his time and the focus that um i've been drawn to over the last year of doing disciple was you may be doing a checklist but the way that you go about doing the checklist, the the place your heart is in as you're trying to check things off the list, yeah, is so important in how effective that checklist is. Well, and that's the man. That's the kind of the sneaky nature of disciple, which, by the way, is one of the best kind of small group programs there is, um, at least within our tradition. Uh, one of the sneaky things about disciple, though, is you are going through and checking off a list, but you're doing it with some other people, mm-hmm. and that relationships what you're actually doing. Um, because well, and you would know that better than anyone, Nick. You're part of a disciple group, and you never did the reading, right? But but you, in the third year, I did. <laughs> the first year, a little dig, little dig. Second year was better. The third year, see, you got better. Now you, I built a habit. You clearly didn't get better though, because you were checking off things from the list because you weren't doing that. You were getting better because of the relationships you were building in that class. I would, I would bet. Well, and and because one of the elements of that class is even if you don't do the reading, still come to class. Yeah. Because it wasn't only about right. reading. 
Right. It was about the relationships. That's um, yeah, that's where I hope that. So it just just to kind of conclude that thought. Uh, that's where, that's where I hope we're moving as a congregation. And I think really honestly at this, this stage during the pandemic when a lot of people feel disconnected, and a lot of people feel alone, um, and just don't feel as as well plugged in as they used to. I think that this kind of uh, relational vulnerability uh, in these small groups is exactly the kind of connection that we need right now. So the plan for the fall is to launch Northside small groups. I'm guessing we're going on Zoom or are there going to be groups meeting? So um, we have three different kinds of groups um, as far as how to meet. We have groups that are going to be all Zoom. Uh, so people who, who feel like, you know, they need to be plugged in via Zoom. We'll have some groups that are completely in person, uh, whether they meet here at the church or they meet um, in people's homes, which is kind of our preference, but do so in a way that is uh, socially distanced and face masked and, you know, following all the guidelines. Um, but we'll also have groups that are kind of a hybrid mix of in-person and Zoom. And we've we've worked on getting some technology around here at the church to make that an actual viable possibility. I messed around with it today. It was pretty cool. Uh, completely changed the dynamic of the group in a way that that I think people can get used to and that can actually be um, very, very uh, powerful. So we'll have all three of those uh, options when people register. And uh, the link to register, by the way, is uh, www.northsideumc.org backslash Northside Small Groups. Um, pretty simple, right? Pretty easy to remember. <laughs> yeah, hard to hard to forget that. Uh, and that registration link is up as of now. So, if you want to go ahead and log on and and register for that, that'd be great. I mean, if that's you feel like something you want to do. Um, well, Nick, I think that's gonna uh, wrap us up for today. Um, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy, busy schedule as an executive director to come up here to my office and have a, a short conversation about small groups, vulnerability, authenticity, worship, all these things we've been talking about. Uh, you got any final words for the people in Northside? I love the podcast. I'm happy to take some time out of my day to come record it with you. That's great. Uh, guys, uh, you can you, you probably have already subscribed to the podcast. If you haven't, you can do that on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Send it to your friends. Share it with your friends. Get some people uh, listening to this. And, and if you have ideas about what you might want to hear us talk about or people that you may want to hear us talk to or topics you want us to cover, whatever, anything like that, shoot us an email. Let us know what you're thinking out there. And uh, we'll make sure to put it on our checklist of things to do. (laughs) All right, guys. Thank you so much, and uh, have a great week.